Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. People can see through these techniques, if you like. So A, it's clearly got to be factual, but B, I wouldn't extend it so far as if to say bloody hell look what they you know that somebody looks at it sometimes i look at them and go yeah i know but you're stretching a point now aren't you my prediction was and I, I think it's turned out to be the case some people left prime over that price increase they said like this is my limit i don't i don't want to pay any more for it most of us though stayed um, and part of the reason is Giving up Prime means giving up a lot now. When you're doing this price increase, is there any value that you can add, whether that's a service, whether that's an additional product or whatever else? Ryan, a really interesting pickle this week. And one that I think that many organizations are going to be struggling with or are struggling with, uh, certainly given the conversations I've been having with uh, our clients. And this is from Alan Flower. And, and Alan Flower, basically his pickle is, how do I increase prices and not lose customers? Yeah. And obviously with inflation and everything else that's going around to say that people are increasing prices is an understatement, but I've had many conversations with our clients and heard many interviews on TV where people are saying, we need to increase prices, but we can't increase them that much because if we do, we're going to end up losing customers. So that's yeah. difficult. This is, this is, a, this is one, of the, one of the several difficult parts of living in times of inflation is uh, yes. sometimes you got to increase your prices and your customers are feeling that too. So what do you do about that? Yeah. Absolutely. Could we get in touch with Alan and ask him to ask us an easier question? Uh, that that could be. I well, m- mind you, we could maybe, say maybe a sweet pickle instead of a dill. It could be. Yeah, we could say the answer to your question is don't increase them, decrease them. There you go. And you wouldn't lose any customers. Would customers you? would be very happy with that. Thanks, folks. Good night. <laughs> <Your waitresses. laughs> the only problem is Alan probably wouldn't have a business yeah, yeah. in a few years' time. Maybe not even a few years' time, actually. We've got a list of things, Alan, that we, we, we're going to quickly run through with you. Hopefully, this will hit the mark with some of you. Um, as usual with you know life, the universe, and everything, a lot of this is context-dependent. So you know, I'm not exactly sure the products and services that you're selling right. and to whom and where and uh, all those other things, and not least of which is who are the competition and everything else. So those are sort of some of the typical questions I would be asking uh, if we were having a one-to-one about this. But let's let's try and um, give you some thoughts. That makes sense? Great. The first thing I would say is that you've got to set expectations. What you don't want to do is you just don't want to imp- suddenly increase your price and suddenly customers suddenly find that it's gone up by 20% or whatever it may be. 
you've got to communicate in some way to customers and let them know that the price is going to go up and give people a reason for why the price is going up and don't and the other thing i would say is don't just sit there and make the assumption that everybody knows the reason why this is going to happen that i think as as well is a problem do you agree with that people are storytellers and um, we process information in the form of stories and so it, it will go down easier and people will kind of be more forgiving and more understanding if you provide that price change in the context of a story if you explain why why you need to do this now why this makes you know why this is important all of that I think will help and and then also the idea of, of you know giving customers heads up especially if you're in a relationship industry right if you're if you're selling boxes of cold cereal then maybe it's less important but if you're selling anything in a b2b context where you've got repeat customers where you know that your customers are going to rely on what you're selling them as a, an input and so therefore it's going to affect their profit margins like the, the more heads up the more that you can keep those lines of communication open and explain what you're doing all of that will help right it will help manage that relationship yeah no absolutely that's key particularly if the product or service that you're selling to them they're going to need to in, include in their product by definition that could end up putting their customers uh, or the prices that they have to charge up to customers. So key thing is here is is communication. Don't suddenly put the price up tomorrow. You've got to explain the reasons why. And as Ryan was just saying, part of that explanation has got to be a story behind it. And now I don't mean, and when I say in a story, I'm sure Ryan doesn't mean it this way either. It is, you know, it's got to be factual, but you've got right. to set the scene yeah by story i mean a justification like uh, yes you justify this change to your customers yeah yeah and i think it's i in my in my view if you're starting to turn around and go so if i'm thinking here in england energy prices have gone up 300 400 percent okay you know now if you're if you're producing something that is using a lot of energy it's pretty pretty obvious that you're gonna have to put your prices up yeah Again, if you start thinking about what's happening in the labor market, maybe your prices, maybe your cost of labor has gone up because you're needing to attract people, et cetera, et cetera. And therefore, you've got to tell people that story. And the other one I've made a note here about is, you know, also ideally put this into some context. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't had a price increase for five years, tell them. And this comes into one of the other parts, which is, I'll mention this now, which is the framing of it, okay? So, Ryan, do you want to briefly explain framing, first of all? Uh, so the basic idea is that uh, everything we evaluate, including prices, is done relative to something else. And so that means that by changing people's reference points or changing the framing around it, changing the way that we, the way that we communicate this information, can change the way people evaluate that price increase. So if in the context of increasing the price, are we encouraging people to evaluate us relative to our previous price? That's not gonna be great because the price is going up, that's gonna be unfavorable. If we can change the frame so that they compare us to the prices of our competitors, which may have also been going up, that may put us in a more attractive position from that. So. 
you know, figure out what are people comparing us to? Can we can we frame it in a different way so that it's it's a little bit more palatable or understanding or attractive? Yeah, and where I was thinking about applying that theory is you could be turning around and therefore it may be that you increased prices six months ago, okay? But it could be that you've increased, you've only increased prices by 5% in the last 10 years. Right. So I would be not telling them that you raised it in six months ago, but you'd be turning around and saying, well, I've only increased, we've increased, you know, prices by 5% in 10 years. So the frame that you're looking at that over and the way that you're explaining it is advantageous to you. It could be that you turn around and again, when Ryan's talking here about reference points, it could be that the reference points is, you know, the, you're still pleased that even with the price increase that you are 15% below your nearest competition. Right. Or it could be that your differential between you and the competition has actually increased. So you're even cheaper than the competition. So what relative to the fact that your prices has gone up. Or alternatively, like inflation in our category or in our industry, like grocery prices as a whole are up 25% this year, we're pleased that we've only had to put ours up by 20%. Correct. That sounds a lot better than, hey, 20% price increase, take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, So providing some context, providing some framing, I think can help. And I go back to it though, I I think there's always a balance with these things because I do think that particularly if if it's a business to business situation, people can see through these techniques if you like sure so a it's clearly got to be factual but yes. b i wouldn't extend it so far as yes. if to say bloody hell look at what they're you know that somebody looks at it sometimes i look at them and go yeah i know but you're stretching a point now aren't you yeah it's a very good point you don't want to damage your credibility the other part here which which i think is uh, an important aspect which is you need to test it so you need to test the price changes and ideally, you can physically test them. So, I mean, it could be that you actually run a pilot in some part of a country or on the web or whatever it may be with the price changes in. You ideally need to test the communications that you're giving to see which way of describing this is the, the best way. But you need to test it, basically, as simple as that. Testing, great idea um, for anything we talk about. But here also. Great idea. Then we get into some more, I was just about to say the word dubious, but I'm not sure if I would, if I would add this to all of these things that we're just about to get into. One of the dubious areas that I do think is, uh, in fact, there was a New York Times, we'll put the link in the show notes, and I think you had this on your list, Ryan, didn't you? Shrink inflation or shrinkflation. Yeah. Yeah. Lorraine and I have this bar that we eat at night. It's like some healthy nut bar. And one of the things I've noticed is the bloody things about half the size it used to be. Yeah. Now, I I was reading this article in the New York Times a little while ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was basically saying that that's the way that a lot of organizations are dealing with inflation, which is basically cutting down the size of the product. Basically. Yeah. Shrinkflation is where you hold the price constant. You just reduce the 
raw materials costs of making it, usually by making it smaller. So one one prominent and kind of hilarious example is a Toblerone bars. Have you seen these? Well, I've seen Toblerone bars, but I don't know which one you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, so they um, Toblerone bars did this a while ago. So they they have kind of these these pyramid shaped chocolates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that are all in a, a row next to each other, and you can break off each triangle-shaped piece. They shrank it down so that now it's like a really thin pyramid or triangle, and then this like ah. long space of flat chocolate, and ah. then there's the next one. I saw an interview where <laughs> this hilarious British guy said, um, he's like, he saw the new design, and he's like, well, they, these don't look like the Swiss Alps anymore. They look like the the Scottish Clegmores or whatever the name of the mountain range is like. Um, it, it it was noticeable, but yeah. They, so that was the the goal there. So they didn't have to raise the prices; they just they reduced the cost in that way. And the the reason that you're calling it dubious is because the the idea behind shrinkflation is that people tend to, on average, in many categories, be more sensitive to changes in price than to changes in quantity. So the reason it feels dubious is because a lot of examples of this go completely under customer's notice. Under so if right your now, yeah. cereal box is now 15.2 ounces instead of 16.3 ounces, there's a very good chance you won't notice that. Yeah. And so it feels deceptive. Yeah. And I think the other thing for me is it's not something that you would suddenly communicate with people, would you? Yeah. It's, hey, we've reduced the size of our box exactly. by yeah. 10% and it's kept now it at the same price. Smaller. The interesting bit for me is where does it stop? Yeah. Uh, and there are examples where it's gotten like really <laughs> extreme. Unless the, the prices of those things suddenly start going down and therefore you start increasing the bars. But I, I'm, I'm talking about bars. I mean, it applies to a number of different things. But I just can't see organizations increasing the size. I mean, you'll, you'll see it occasionally where it'll be like now – four more per box or now yeah. 25% yeah, larger. But yeah, you're right. It tends to ratchet in one direction. Um, yeah. yeah. One way that, that firms deal with it is they then introduce a new larger size packaging, which happens to be the previous smaller size packaging. And, and now they can increase the price on that one because it's a new larger size. Yeah. We're talking about packaging. It reminds me of a tweet I did a little while ago, which was uh, some vitamin tablets. And these vitamin tablets that we bought were in this bottle. And the bottle was, well, those people watching on YouTube, you know, were was about four inches high. But actually, you know, it, it covered the bottom of the bottle for about a quarter of an inch. So you open the bottle and it's full of air, basically. It's just mostly cotton. Yeah, well, the other thing that I thought was interesting in that was that the color of the bottle was dark yeah. blue, so you couldn't see in the bottle. Yeah, I've heard of examples too where, and a lot of like bottled goods, like uh, like peanut butter, for example, in the U.S., the package will have kind of a dome on the bottom of the the jar, and and that helps with stability. It makes it a stronger bottle. There's reasons they do that. But I've heard of instances where companies engaging in shrinkflation will actually increase the size of that dome. Yeah. So that from the outside, the package looks no different at all. Yes. But that's because the structural component on the bottom and inside of it is now larger yes. and takes up more space. And so there's lots. Of, yeah, there's lots. So this is a viable way of handling inflation. But as you can hear from 
the discomforts of both Colin and I, uh, this can blow up in your face when customers realize that this is what you're doing. People tend to get pretty angry about this. Yeah, and the other one that uh, I read in this article was where they had changed, as you said earlier, they changed the formula of a particular product. Yep. And everybody was then complaining. Uh, I can't remember if it was a washing liquid or something like that, but they'd changed it. And and the, the, the guy that wrote the article was basically going, always look out for where it says new and improved formula because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the case. From whose perspective? Yeah. Ryan, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Uh, I saw an old Vincent Price movie called House of the Long Shadows when I was a kid and it kept me awake for days. And if you want to be kept awake for days, the one that scared me the most was the Intuitive Customer podcast that's now available on YouTube. It's really oh, scary. I, I want to change my answer. That's actually the scariest thing I've seen too. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you are interested in getting scared and watching Ryan and I attempt to do a podcast on YouTube, then just search for the Intuitive Customer podcast on YouTube and subscribe, won't you? We look forward to seeing you there. Okay, so two other areas that I've got down. One one is, is there any way, Alan, that you can, when you're doing this price increase, is there any value that you can add to the service? So is there something you can do that, that adds value that the customer would, would want, whether that's a service, whether that's an additional product or whatever else? So is there something that you can do that would, would add value? And again, I think some of that for me is just about just trying to show willing, basically, trying to add something that the, the, the customer may want. Yeah, that's right. People tend to forget that the way people evaluate products is not just based on price, but it's all of the, the benefits minus all of the costs. So price is a, a major cost. It's not the only one. Um, there are hassle costs and other kinds of costs. But if we're increasing the price, is there a way we can offset that by increasing the benefits in some way to kind of still create a, a, an offering that on the whole is still attractive? And if there are ways you can increase the benefits without increasing your costs to yourself, well, then you can potentially meet the, your needs to raise prices and increase revenue and profit while still maintaining the attractiveness level for your customers. And the last one I've got on my list, is there some way that you can bundle the service? So is there a bundle that you could offer the, the customer that would make it attractive to them? Yeah. Don't underestimate the sort of segmentation around any of these areas, to be honest with you, because there may be customers that are, I won't say happy that you've increased the price, but they can afford it or they were expecting it. But there may be some other customers that aren't, maybe they're with different industries, something like that. Uh, maybe there's a bundle that you could offer a particular segment of your of your customer base. Do you have anything else, Ryan? Um, a couple more. One would be, is there a way that you can implement this price change incrementally? So, is, uh, you know, is the house on fire? Do we need to make changes right away? Do we need to increase the price by a dollar right now? Or is this a problem that we can manage over a longer period of time and maybe increase the price by 20 cents per quarter for the next five quarters in order to get where we need to go. Those smaller price changes tend to be more palatable. Yeah. Let me add into that. 
I think the other interesting point that I've just thought of, of is, are you thinking about this price increase strategically? Yeah. So in other words, have you looked at what you've got to do in the next year? Because I think doing the incremental bit is a really good idea. But what happens if you need to do it in six months' time? You don't want to be making any of these decisions on a short-term basis. You need to start to think about what you're going to be doing over over the next year, basically. The last one that I'll suggest, and this is not a short-term solution to this, this is more of a long-term strategic solution, but are you thinking about your offering in terms of creating barriers to change or barriers to switching? I was interviewed by the Washington Post a couple of years ago during a time when Amazon was uh, increasing the price of Prime. And this reporter wanted to know, like, is that a good idea? What's the the impact of that? My prediction was, and I I think it's turned out to be the case, some people left Prime over that price increase. They said, like, this is my limit. I don't don't want to pay any more for it. Most of us, though, stayed. Um, And part of the reason is giving up Prime means giving up a lot now. Like, there's the delivery acceleration, but then also there's Prime Video, there's now Prime Music streaming service. And so the like the more of these things that you become accustomed to, the harder it's going to be for you to give it up if the price goes up. And so you're going to want to do that. I, I think the quote that I, that I made in the Washington Post article, which is my proudest quote ever, what are you going to do? Like go back to waiting three days for a package, like some kind of caveman? Like when, you, when you've gotten used to this yeah. service of having your packages delivered, you know, sometimes same day, sometimes next day. Yeah. That can be hard for people to give up. So are there ways that you can create benefits uh, that are sticky, that are hard for your competition to replicate, and that will be hard for customers to give up if they, uh, if you have to increase your prices? So thinking about that, that goes back to the adding value. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and bundling the services, doesn't yep. it? All of those are focused on the benefits side of this. And I think that's sometimes lost yeah. when people talk just about prices. And I think that's an important point as well, because, again, if you were thinking about this strategically, and that, that Amazon Prime is a really good example, then the danger is, is that you are thinking about this price increase just in isolation rather than thinking of your pricing strategy because maybe adding value bundling things strategically is a good idea because it does oh maybe bundling does add the value uh, as it does with prime and therefore you can you're not just justifying the cost of one product but you're bringing into place the value that's sought elsewhere as well yeah a great example yeah i think i think prime is a good example of having bundled services together and thereby created an offering with real switching costs yeah and thinking about it as well i mean if i if i think about the streaming services a lot of those services now are starting to move towards adverts aren't they so that's starting to look at a different and that's something we haven't got here actually that's adding a different sort of revenue stream to yeah, deal with true. the problem. In fact, thinking about it, what a lot of them are doing is they are now off. They're sort of, well, if I, I think Disney are doing this, uh, but they're basically going, okay, well, you can either carry on your service 
and it's an advert or you can go to a premium which is this and so actually there is a price increase because i was getting that before but um yeah so yeah i mean if we think about this abstractly i would say that it's they're all different flavors of cost increases for the customer so like if i now have to sit through a youtube ad whereas before youtube used to be free or now i have to sit through two youtube ads whereas before i used to have to sit through one those are cost increases to me. The cost is in terms of my time, my patience, my attention, um, not necessarily my dollars and cents, but those are all costs. Those all make the offering less attractive. So they should all be thought about in kind of a similar way. But to your point, like instead of increasing price, could we maybe look at a different kind of cost that the customer wouldn't object to as much? There are some people who are very happy to watch an extra ad if it means they don't have to pay. Yeah. And just building on top of that, that then made me think about reward schemes. Yeah. So is there something that that you could therefore, in terms of, again, adding additional value? I'm thinking both of us fly Delta. But is that something that I know this will be a bad example because they're actually trying to cut down the amount of people that are going into the lounges, et cetera. But is that something you can now, you could start to say, well, okay, well, the price is going up, but you can now, you'll have five free entries to the lounge or whatever it may be. So there you go. Something right. that's so more of a marginal cost. Increasing the benefits to offset yeah. the, the price increase. Yeah. So, Alan, I uh, hope that's been of use. hope that's been of use to uh, everybody else. We're, we're living in tough times. I'm sure everybody's going to be thinking about uh, increasing their prices and obviously not wanting to lose customers. Just build one last thought from me is... To be honest with you, there are some customers, though, that you should be losing. And maybe, again, this is an opportunity to, uh, I don't know, say remove, but to lose some of the low margin customers that are causing you some problems. But it's definitely something, in my view, that you've got to talk to your customers about and explain what you're doing and not just suddenly do it by stealth, basically. So hope that's been of use. And we look forward to talking to you next week on the show. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. <laughs>